Biscayne. This is Mac on the Rock for the Distresso Morning Hour. I'd like to talk a little bit about my boy, Sprite Lightning, Marco Rubio. I call him Sprite Lightning because Sprite Lightnings are the electrical charges above the thunderstorms that you and I see on a rainy day that really spark all the lightning. It's above it all. And I believe Marco Rubio is a leader above it all. His charisma, his ability to give speeches, to inspire a nation is exactly what we need in this country at this moment. As I'm apprehensive of who to support and who to really like in this campaign, I'm looking at the things that the nation actually needs, not a perfect politician, because that's impossible. I realize more than ever before that the older I get, the less I know and understand. But I do know for sure one thing is absolutely certain about modern Western society, totally motivated by self-centered motives and conformity. If you're a conformist, I think you'll do just fine in life. You might not really achieve your goals. You might leave a, a complete bucket full of crap you didn't do, but I think you'll be somewhat content and happy. For us, people like me who are constantly uh, going after things, uh, outspoken, trying to uh, not only uh, you know, doing the self-centered thing, I'm, I'm guilty of being self-centered too. You know, I want to make my mark. I want to make my uh, footprint uh, known in my community. There's no doubt I'm proactive. Uh, I speak up. I write guest commentaries in my town paper, although sometimes I don't believe the town paper deserves uh, uh, writing of uh, that expertise. I really write well and I hammer my points and I make them, um, you know, somewhat impactful. I know that it upsets a lot of readers to read my, my opinions on things because chances are I'm right, they're wrong, and they're pissed off because I nailed the point. But I put emotions in my writings, in my texts, and I used to do this on behalf of Marco Rubio. I used to blog like a freak all over the world, man, everywhere, everywhere I can think of, and mostly on liberal sites and uh, left-wing sites that were slamming him. A lot, of, uh, a lot of people uh, dislike and envy his approach to the world, his approach to things, because, uh, you know, he's a guy who came out of left field, you know. He's the first, you know, Hispanic Speaker of the House of Florida. He was the first Cuban-American to be Speaker of the House of Florida. He'll probably be the first Hispanic to be President of the United States. He's got stiff competition, though, and these people I've engaged with that uh, I feel can can beat him are obviously the, the you know the Rhino Republican in Jeb Bush, a prototypical Republican. You know he's for Common Core, practically inspired Common Core, heavily influenced Common Core. But he got in bed with uh, Bill Gates to do it. In the Parent Revolution out in California, he allowed the Parent Revolution to come into Florida when in fact we were the trailblazers of school choice. Florida wasn't, I should say. And a lot, a lot of that is owed to Jeb Bush, his leadership. Even though charter and charter schools and stuff like that, that were the embryonic uh, school choice movement, they, you know, that began back in 79 in Minnesota. Then it spread to the northeastern states where it's not a right-wing thing like it is here. Here it's a, a right-wing platform. You know, it's un unbelievable. Up in the northeast in Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Vermont, Rhode Island, school choice was something of the left. 
and quite frankly was embraced. When the parish schools, for instance, in Philadelphia, the, par the Catholic parish schools were closing down, everybody in, on the school district level in Philadelphia, they're called parishes up there, but the, 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 they supported school choice. They were embraced that the entire school board did. So here in Florida, it's really contentious, but up there, my God, it just seems like it's just another school choice model, another educational model for public school. Anyway, going back to Marco, you know, do you realize that as, as charismatic as he was and as involved as I was in his campaign? I mean, when I first supported him, we're talking April, March, April 2009, I attended a fundraiser where I, you know, told him, look, you know, do you want someone who, to, to represent you in Key Biscayne? Do you want a face in Key Biscayne? I'd like to throw a fundraiser for you because I believe that all the big boys, the big honchos, people who could raise a lot more money than I could, are for Charlie Chris, the sitting governor. And you're down 30-something points in the polls. So, you know, can I, can I? Are you interested? And he said, absolutely. Uh, give so-and-so my card. And I go, I will not do that. He go, what do you mean? And you know, I want to keep a relationship with you. I don't want anybody in my way. And if you're going to hand me off to a staffer, I'm losing interest as we speak. He goes, I'll reach out to you and I'm sure you can find a way. Sure enough, he reaches out to me. And, uh, you know, for a long time I text him personally on his phone. And that's what we did. Now, I held a, an incredible event at the Ocean Club. And Ocean Club was a, you know, high-end, you know, very affluent condominium. Probably the newest one on the key. And we, we met in a small room at the lobby. And guess what? None of my friends showed up. Nobody I thought would contribute to his campaign. Everybody that I thought would contribute to his campaign did not show up. But guess what? A lot of people did. And they were people that were barely acquaintances of mine, some people I recognized. But my God, we were able to raise $14,000 that night. And, you know, it was pretty impressive. By the end of the day, by the next day, more checks had come in personally that amounted to about $18,000. People who didn't go to the event or were there and I didn't see them and then wrote a check afterwards, you know, the next day, maybe after sleeping on it or something. But uh, we did this twice. I did this at Ocean Club. And then uh, some months later, I did it in uh, Gables Estates. There, Marco showed up and, and gave a speech to parents that were mostly autism, parents with, who, with children with autism. And uh, that's how I met uh, Mr. Cruz. He was in a VIP tent at an autism walk. I have a nephew with autism, so I was there. And he was uh, basically the chairman of that event at Crandon Park, it was a walkathon. So I asked him, are you interested in uh, supporting Marco Aurelio? You know, he gave a great speech about autism, one of the, his last, last days as speaker. He goes, yes, I'm um, quite fond of him. And quite frankly, I've reached out and um, I've been hearing crickets. Nobody from the campaign would call me back. I go, well, I can arrange for, you know, for a fundraiser if you so choose. Would you be interested in that? And he said yes, and I, you know, I did my thing. I opened a couple of doors, made some calls, and sure enough, we had this event. And we raised probably another $24,000 for Marco Rubio's campaign for Senate. So now here we are today. I'm emotionally tied to him, and I wish he would stay for another term as senator. I really fear the mediocrity that could precede him if he were to win the presidency. We might lose the Senate to this 
liberal guy named Patrick, who's you know a political novice, you know barely beat uh, um, uh, Alan West for Congress. You know, tremendous poor reflection on Florida that district for a, a valiant man like uh, West to be an incumbent and that watch his district being gerrymandered so that more liberals can be in it and for Alan West to, to abandon the district that he had won in to enter this new district where he could lose and lose is it was you know sad sad reality for that but let me not veer off into that rabbit hole because I can't go anywhere there but Patrick Murphy would be a disaster US senator for Florida and Marco would obviously be out if he loses the presidential run. So if Marco feels like he'd win it and beat Jeb Bush face to face, a guy who was his political mentor, I don't know, man, that's, that's bold. Meanwhile, you've got in the periphery, Ted Cruz. I met with him for an hour, very, very impressed by his wits, super sharp. I think he'll eat everybody for lunch as a debater. I've said this in uh, previous shows. So here we are, Sprite Lightning to the rescue. Can Marco Rubio pull it off for you and I? Can he inspire a nation young enough to sit there for eight years and really do some things? But you gotta understand, he's a hard ass. And expect him to do something very aggressive towards Cuba if he were elected. I hope, I hope that he takes on my idea. My idea is to develop, fully develop as a, an incredible place for veterans to, to retire in and build that shining city on the hill that Reagan talked about. I call it GitmoFreeZone.com. The full redevelopment of the Guantanamo base in Cuba would be an incredible job creator for veterans. Think about it. Think about it, Marco. I'm speaking to you now, as I've said to you before. Article, there are three articles. One in the lease, which is actually a clause, an article in the Platt Amendment, which is now null and void, and the same clause that shows up in the Treaty of Relations of 1934 that clearly states if the Castro brothers, if the, the Republic of Cuba back then, which now applies to the Castro brothers, if they do not, if they do not control their waterborne diseases like dengue and cholera, then we have the right to turn Guantanamo into a, basically a quarantine facility by expanding the Naval Hospital there and close all the ports of call back to the United States of all those who return to the United States after traveling in Cuba must leave Guantanamo and the Guantanamo base. So basically, an excuse to develop the base as a state-of-the-art Houston Medical Center for veterans. Okay, in other words, reinvent the Veterans Administration hospitals in Guantanamo. And guess what? Guantanamo is 43 square miles. That's basically two miles short of the square footage of the square miles of Miami-Dade County, fourth largest county in the United States. Guantanamo is enormous. In fact, the entire population of Cuba in a redeveloped Guantanamo could live there. Hell, we got three million people in Dade County, right? Million and a half just in the city of Miami alone. So imagine. Imagine, imagine 11 and a half million people living in Guantanamo one day. Of course, that's insane to think about, but still, it's just to make the point that it's huge. And the deepest port is Guantanamo Bay. It's the deepest port in Cuba. So the huge freighters bringing in the, the material and the necessary equipment for the redevelopment of Guantanamo is logistically very possible.
And guess what? As of August 2013, the Cuban interest section, which is our basically our American embassy in Cuba, formally announced a travel restriction because of uh, dengue and cholera outbreaks. There you have it. The full development of Guantanamo, GitmoFreeZone.com, is sitting on a silver platter in Marco Rubio's hands to use it as a campaign commitment if he were elected president. That's why I want Marco Rubio for president. So the last several days I've been telling you different points of why I think Ted Cruz would be a valuable asset to us. I also gave you a reason why Jeb Bush would be a valuable asset to us. And today I'm giving you Sprite Lightning, President Marco Rubio of the United States. Blow your mind, the thunderstorm is coming. Prepare for the rain on communist Cuba. Back in a moment. Thank you for staying with us. This is Mac of the Rock, WSQF Blink Radio for the Distressful Morning Show. Now, my biggest concern for Marco Rubio, of course, I don't give much credence to his youth, because quite frankly, who you surround yourself with it makes your presidency. It has nothing to do with your age. I believe that Theodore Roosevelt was a very young president too, and um, he came up with some really fantastic, bold ideas. It's, he lost his mind when he wanted to come back into the presidency after serving his terms. That's when he really blew it. His ego got in his way. He created the Bull Moose Party. He ran in, uh, you know, in the 1912 election, and he came up with that awful square deal speech, which pretty much left the pilings to create the, the, the establishment of the progressive movement. How sad is that? That the Republican Party has to go down in history as a creative of a progressive movement that the liberals and Woodrow Wilson carried on, carried that baton and created the progressive movement of today, which is a disastrous movement that failed in every aspect of American life. Yes, 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 the progressive movement has failed. But Marco as president, going back to Marco Rubio, you know, it would be tremendous irony because, you know, election results are just so hit or miss today. I mean, we're really a 51, 49% nation completely split. I mean, liberalism is still alive and well. They actually think they're, they're onto something, even though their policies fail. Because going back to my original statement, the self-centered world of conformity that we live in in the United States pretty much has re government as religion. And when government is religion and God is secondary to government, you've got this nation in $18 trillion worth of debt. That's terrible. I mean, that's real denied manifest destiny. Remember manifest destiny in our history where we were traveling west, creating a larger and larger nation, seeking new frontiers? Well, guess what? Manifest destiny was also denied to the United States, but not including Cuba. Patrons of the War of Independence, patrons of the Battle of Yorktown, and that's where Sprite Lightning comes in, because he can actually feel for Cuba. He knows. He can feel it, like I feel it, and that's why I supported him. But the irony of all this is that, as charismatic as he is, uh, as riveting as he is when he gives speeches, and he's a hard ass. I, I, I love his speeches, you know, he's, he's a hard ass. And his charisma should carry the day, but the truth is, Marco won 49, with 49% of the vote. Chris had 30% of the vote. And Meek had 20% of the vote. So Marco, he wins hands down, right? But guess what? If Meek drops out of the race, 
And the liberals obviously would have gotten married to Chris as opposed to allowing the Marco to win in a landslide. Marco lose by 49,587 votes. Think about that. If Kendrick Mead on the Democratic ticket drops out of the race as Chris had asked him to, and Chris, sitting governor with his name recognition, stays in the race, runs as an independent as he did, then Meek gets to give Charlie Chris his 1,076,000 votes added to Charlie Chris's official ballot of 1,588,821. You add those two numbers, and Marco Rubio loses by 49,587 votes. And there is no Sprite Lightning. Ponder that next time you think about not voting. Ponder that, conservatives. Ponder that, liberals. Think about what you're doing to this country. Liberalism sucks, and you know it does. Every one of their policies has sucked. From Social Security to income tax or increasing the income tax, because they, they voted for it handsomely, but the truth is it was a conversation for another day how Amendment 16 uh, occurred under the watchful eye of the worst president ever, Woodrow Wilson in 1913, the horrible year of 1913 will always be a theme of my Distresso Hour morning show. More so in my Distresso Hour primetime, which is at night, 9 to 11. It really is disgusting to find a great nation that obviously was the promised land of the United States, was the promised land. It's so obvious. You can read the passages in the book of Revelations, the book of Isaiah, about describing what the promised land would look like. And um, that's again for another show. I'm just prepping you for more shows, obviously. To deny ourselves our manifest, death, manifest destiny, not including Cuba, was a first sign, because that has created turbulence in Latin America. Fidel Castro's power, his, his technicals, a little tiny country of 11 million people have been able to get adopted by the Soviet Union and create such havoc and creates surveillance facilities all over the southeastern United States that's facilitated armed shipments, communist revolutions that you see even today manipulating the world through the oil supplies coming out of Venezuela. My God, he's been able to keep Maduro in power after probably knocking Chavez off. That's Fidel Castro. Now we find out that four billion in gold was deposited in Cuban banks. Four billion? by Chavez, and then all of a sudden he dies? Come on, man, connect the dots. Marco Rubio's there to slam this whole operation, finally push it off its edge after it has destroyed the country of Cuba to stabilize all Latin America and create a huge immigration pro problem on the southern border of the United States. That southern border is directly related to economic instability in Latin America and nobody can tell me that Castro's haven't kept those countries unstable. Back in a moment, this is Book Radio, WSQF 94.5 FM, The Echo in Keepers Gaze. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Keepers Gaze, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.